Welcome to this episode of the Global Sales Degree Podcast. This episode is all about determination and grit and what it takes to succeed and to succeed in the elite of the elite. Today I have talked with Devin Harris, who was one of the innovators of the Jamaican bobsleighing team. And the reason why it intrigued me to speak with him because it's really under good to understand how success works. This goes through every single area of people's lives and in business and especially in sales. So if you can get the key and core ingredients of what makes the top of the top, then you have the right attitude to succeed in sales. So I'm really delighted with this and I think you're going to enjoy it. Just take the main ingredients out of it, but this is a phenomenal podcast. Hello, good morning, good evening, and good afternoon. And wherever you are in this wide, wonderful, beautiful world, you're listening to the Global Sales Leader Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Cooper. I'm the sales relationship coach. And the reason why relationships are so important because it helps connect people. Wherever you are in the world, and the world is getting a smaller place, and helping people to grow, helping people to learn. It's also about those connections that you can make with other people to build persuasive, influential, dynamic relationships, whatever it might be, because that really helps us learn and grow as people and as humans. And I'm all about that. So I've got a wonderful guest here today. His name is Devin Harris. Uh, you may or may not have heard of him, but I'm, I read here, read about him on the Success Factors book by Ruth Gauthier, and I've spoken to her several times, but Devon, you're highly, highly recommended. So thank you for uh, coming on today. Hey, Jason, it's great to connect with you as well, man. Thank you for having me. So, uh, look, there's uh, uh, stuff that I'm going to read about yourself just to highlight who you are. So... Um, Devon Harris, I'm not going to uh, put your age in there because I'm reading that uh, you're a retired <laughs> Jamaican bobsleigh uh, military officer um, and uh, Jamaican national bobsleigh team back in the winter of 1988. So that was uh, 35 years ago or so. Yeah, yeah 34, 34, yeah, 34, oh, 34 years, years ago. Yeah, it's 2022 20, now. So um, you've had a phenomenal career. Um, I mean, very eclectic, uh, and especially in 1988, because um, you made a massive impact in the world of Olympic uh, winter sports and made a difference. And I'm f- fascinated by that. And the, the stuff that you've done is incredible. But you've written two books as well, and we'll speak about that. And you, you now actually do a lot of keynote speaking uh, mm-hmm. in the subject of uh, lots of uh, variants of motivation, inspiration, and dynamics. But rather than me uh, reading off your Wikipedia page, uh, tell us that from now and your anchor points along the way to where you are now, what got to where you got? And then let's branch out from there. Yeah, eclectic, as you said, you know, and you and you, you, you used a couple of words there that generally don't belong in the same sentence, you know, Jamaica and the Winter Olympics. Like, what is that, really? <laughs> Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, obviously born and bred in Jamaica, and um, uh, you mentioned I was a military officer. You know, 
So the, 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 there are two things that drove me when I was growing up, uh, one more than the other. One was to become an army officer, and there was to become an Olympic athlete. Uh, the Olympic athlete stuff was kind of, um, you know, kind of gravy, that cherry on the top. The most important thing for me was to become an army officer. So, you know, I I, I guess I, I read a couple of books, you know, cracked a couple of books when I was in school. And, you know, uh, you're Brit, so you're, uh, you're from the UK. So I did my O-levels and A-levels. And then I went off to join the Jamaica Defense Force and ended up at Sandhurst. Um, oh, yeah became uh got my commission in december of 1985 and then went back to jamaica to serve in the jamaica defense force and i remember this so clearly i was 21 years old and i remember walking down to the officer's mess having this really intense conversation with myself and i'm like so you have achieved your your big dream you're an army officer is this it what are you going to do with the rest of your life man and i go oh yeah the olympics the olympics uh, so this was 1987, the summer of 87. The Olympics were coming up the following year in Seoul, Korea. So I started training, started running um, every, every morning before reporting for duties, hoping that I could get fit enough to qualify for those Summer Olympics. And someone came up with the idea to start a bobsled team. My colonel suggested that I tried out for the team. I did, went to the team trials, tried my darnest, and I think they liked my smile, you know, this one. <laughs> and they selected me. And, and there began the saga of this thing called Jamaica Bobsled. Yes, I was on that first team in 88. I was the number two guy on that four-man sled. I became a driver afterwards, and I drove the two-man sled in uh, 92 in Albaville, France, and 98 in Nagano, Japan. And, you know, somewhere in between there, at the end of 92, I actually moved to the U.S. I, you know, retired from the Army and starting life all over again and eventually became a motivational speaker as you mentioned i've written a couple of books a children's book uh yes i can the story of the jamaican bobsled team and keep on pushing hot lessons from cool runnings and now i get to travel around the world a little bit you know sharing the the lessons and the insights from those experiences as um and just trying to inspire uh people to be their best to keep on pushing to get to the next level uh, in every year of their lives, um, and also, um, you know, I'm a philanthropist as well. I have a, the, the foundation, the Keep On Pushing Foundation, that support the education of kids in disadvantaged communities, starting in my own um, community back in Jamaica. Wow, that's uh, phenomenal, and that is a real good, inspiring uh, way to do things. So, what were the key anchors along the way that made you go? This is what I want to do. What what inspired you to go, uh, apart from reading a book and saying, uh, no one's done this before. So what <laughs> motivated you to do that? You know, whenever I'm asked this question, Jason, or any form of it, I always go back to my grandmother, man. I, it's her fault. I blame her. Uh, I, I spent my early years with her in rural Jamaica. And, uh, you know, the thing I remember about her was that she was this amazing storyteller. And the stories that impacted me the most were the ones she told me about soldiers and these amazing feats they could perform and not get hurt. You know, they could jump in these deep gullies and not break their legs. And it just, it fired up my little five-year-old imagination. Uh, but more, and that inspired me to want to be a soldier. But more importantly, I think it it connected with something with me, in, within me. It inspired me to want to 
go pursue things that other people thought was incredibly difficult, if not impossible. And so as I grew older, you know, nurturing this idea of doing this impossible thing of becoming a soldier and then discovering that you could actually enlist as an officer is like, oh, it's more difficult, but that's what I should go for, you know? And I've always uh, tend to aim for that more difficult thing. When I tried out for the bobsled team, the brake men had to score more than the drivers. And knowing nothing about the sport, I just assumed that the brake man was a more important role on the sled. So I'm like, I want to be a brake man. And when I got in the sport, I realized that the driver was the, the, the linchpin to this thing. I'm like, oh, I want to be a driver. So I've always just kind of strove to do things that other people think are, are difficult. Yeah, because it sounds like you did something that was groundbreaking at the time. And you, you led the way forward in doing something that is, uh, no one else has done. And it's probably the same as uh, Eddie Richards in, uh, in, in England that was doing the, uh, the, the ski the jump. jump. Eddie Edwards, yeah. Right. Yeah, and uh, everyone just thought of him going, he's nuts. Um, yeah. Because uh, there's no, um, there's, there's only Scotland really to actually practice and train on. So you probably have the similar sort of uh, thing going on at that particular time going, well, we have to make haste. And, but you made it pretty cool to do that as well. Yeah, but, you know, but the lesson here, so we did it, Ed of the Eagle did it, uh, you yeah. know, go, going against the green and, uh, uh, you know, up against all uh, obstacles, just the average person just couldn't see how this could be done. And I think one of the things that make our story uh, so popular, for want of a better term, and Eddie the Eagle's story as well, is the fact that the, the average and honor people around the world can relate to our stories, right? They see th these guys going off to go pursue this quote-unquote impossible dream. Yes. And it reminds them of all their dreams that they have that they think is impossible, that people will laugh at, um, and that they have shied away from because of that dynamic. And we have reminded them that, no, it's, you know what, you may fail, you may crash like we did, you may not necessarily soar, like, um, but it's at least worth a try. Yeah. And the amazing thing is that, man, when you try, once you've tried, that you can never go back to that place before, that, as you were before, right? There's only forward moving from there. So I'm, I'm fascinated by the tools of resilience there because, uh, and against adversity, what, what were the tools and resilience that you built into yourself and into your team to make that happen? Because that must have motivated you forward in some respects. Yeah. No pun intended. Yeah, and you know, I I think I have words for them these days. I do speak about resilience, you know, developing a resilient mindset. I don't, I didn't have words for them back then. I certainly didn't think of them in in those terms. But I think the first first thing is, and I, that I speak about is the, the idea of responsibility, taking personal responsibility for your outcomes. Like all of us are dealing with these uncontrollable events in our lives, you know. Um, yeah, from from who your parents are to where you were raised and the schools they attended and the the, the neighborhoods and um, to today we're all been dealing with uh, collectively with COVID nineteen and and uh, and the and the ensuing pandemic. Right, these are things that you have absolutely no no control over, mm -hmm. but you can't 
throw your hands in the air and go, oh my God, this is the end of me, right? Because that's garbage. Yeah. Um, it comes down to you deciding, hey, this is, you know, forgive the cliche, but if it's to be, it's up to me. And and so you you, you have to pick yourself up and push yourself past these challenges. And the only way you do that is by taking responsibility for that forward movement and for the results, right? Because when you don't, if you see those external uh, circumstances as overwhelming and things that you're um, not powered um, uh, to tackle, then you have given up, given up your power. And you're like, oh, well, this is what the rest of my life is going to be like. And, and I think on the surface, we, we are deep down. We know that's not true. Yeah. Yeah. But we kind of succumb to, you know, what life is throwing at us. So you have to take responsibility. I think you also have to develop this ability to reframe um, the experiences, right? When you're going through stress, um, the way you look at it is going to determine whether the stress is increased or you minimize it somewhat. And um, I, I have to, in many ways, give... Um, Pay homage to to my training at Sandhurst for for much of that man. You you learn as a young budding officer to be calm, right, and and to think clearly under stress, uh, you, you know. And um and and but I've always, in addition to that, had this uh, propensity to 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 not see the glass as half empty, but there there are always opportunities. Yeah. That- Good way of seeing it, actually, and it is because some people just go inside themselves. But I think it's you have to work from the inside out, not the outside in. Mm-hmm. And reframing a situation from uh, one place to another is a really good way of looking at the world. And I'm also intrigued by your process and your thoughts. And how did you reframe the situation? And what was going through your thoughts now? Then mm-hmm. when? Yeah. So you know. I was having a conversation recently, you know, this this idea that anything you can do, I can do as well. Um, and and sometimes people cannot go off the deep end. And that. That's not true. You know, you could never swim like Michael Phelps. Not, perhaps you can if swimming is your thing. If you have a real interest in swimming, I can't swim like Michael Phelps because I have no interest in swimming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of like my water frozen. But what I know is, and how I've always dealt with it, though, is that is that very same thinking that, man, if he can do it, then I can do it too. Because this is the thing I want to do. And I remember, for example, the, the, the experience that just jumped out at me. When I was doing the selection process to join the army in Jamaica, it's a rigorous three-day process and uh, called the selection board. And I remember standing on the obstacle course in these army, thin army coveralls with the winds of the ocean just sweeping up the valley. And, you know, I'm shivering. I don't know because if it's because I'm cold or nervous. <laughs> like, it was just like, <laughs> but I remember as I'm standing there, just like on the verge of wilting under the pressure. I remember this captain was walking down the steps with his hand behind him. And he looked like a demigod. The guy just looked so, so all-powerful. And I remember looking at him and thinking, you know, 
not so long ago, he was standing right where I am in this very situation. And look at him now, looking like a God. Yeah. And I thought to myself, you know what? If he can do it, I can do it. And almost from that moment, that instant, I thought that I stopped being nervous. And just and I just went for it. So I think th those are the conversations that you you constantly have to have because there's there there is very little that any of us could ever think of doing that someone hasn't done before us yeah. in some yeah. way, shape, or form. And you know if they have done it, why can't you? If that's what you want to do. I think it's always a state of imposter syndrome and uh, thinking that you're never good enough to actually do that or, and it happens to so many people, like you, you've stood in front of lots of lots of people. Oh, we're back in the room, I'll, I'll edit that out, but that's all cool. So the question that I want to ask you, Devin, if you were interviewing you, what sort of questions would you ask yourself? Ooh, I've never been asked that before, or maybe in this way. Um, that's a really good question. Um, what maybe what's your strongest trait? And and, I, and the answer is that uh, it's my determination. I've just I'm just determined uh, because I'm. Unwilling to do without that which I want, and I recognize that it might take a while. You know, I describe myself as as being patiently impatient, and and by that I mean that you know you have to push, you have to work with a sense of urgency. Um, you can't sit back and go, oh well, whenever I don't subscribe to, well, it happened when it happens. Like like that just doesn't mm, play well with me. So I am impatient in that sense. But I'm also, I, I, persistence, determination requires a certain amount of wisdom. And so fortunately, I think I'm wise enough to recognize that there is a process. And as much as I'm pushing and I'm eager and, and going after this enthusiastically, that you know there's a learning process and there's just a natural process of how long things might take. Um, so, so yeah, I am determined, but I, and I'm patiently impatient. So, what what is your process then? How do you uh, view the world in terms of your process? Because I think, regardless of whether you're in business or in sales or whatever, there's always a process. But everyone has a slightly different view of how they view their process. But I'm I'm fascinated by how you've done your process and what how. You've applied that, but how you teach that to other people? Yeah, you know, um, I guess my attitude towards the process has changed a little bit over the years. You know, I guess I, I hope I'm not only older but wiser now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I, I used to be a lot more impatient than I am, especially with myself and would berate myself. And and um, but that doesn't work really well, right? Um, so I have just learned. Um, you know, to take these incremental steps. You know, as long as you are moving forward in the direction that you want to be. So if you want, if you if you're going to do 100 push-ups and you can only do 10 this morning, right, and 10 tomorrow, and if you can do 11, man, or if you can challenge yourself to get 12 done, don't go screaming that, oh, my God, I'm so far away from 100. 
just uh, encourage yourself. Good job. You got 12 done. Let's see if you can do 13 tomorrow. You know, and you, uh, part of the thing that gives us a sense of uh, contentment and certainly it boosts our self-esteem is I is a belief that we're making progress. Yeah. And 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 if you can make progress, incremental progress, without looking over your shoulder, looking left or right at the fact that John or Mary is a little bit further ahead than you. So what? You don't know. You, you know, you're probably dealing with significantly more challenges than they are. They've yeah. just had an easier. This is your road and you have to travel that road. And so your goal is to put all your energies into traveling that road as best as you possibly can. And there are enough difficulties, there are enough detractors out there. Uh, you shouldn't join in the chorus. Yeah, you, you, you should be cheering. You should become your biggest cheerleader. There's a, there's a saying, uh, Garen, and I've I just designed a, a, a process on it. You know when they say the grass is green on the other side? Mm -hmm. But it tends not to be. It's to tend your own grass first before you look anywhere else because you keep looking everywhere else but you're not actually looking after yourself and you're absolutely quite right about um rewarding yourself for incremental steps and giving yourself a pat on the back and go i'm quite grateful for that so mm -hmm. that is so um current in everyone that i speak to they pretty much all everyone does the same thing once they get up to uh that two percent or that one percent of success and you've obviously achieved that you know, um, one of the things that uh, athletic coach, a track coach, will uh, do teach their athletes, uh, although people find may find it counterintuitive, is, hey, you have to run your own race. So here it is that you're in a race with eight or ten other people or more, and the coach is like, and you're racing against these people, these people, because you're trying to get to the finish line before them. But is that run your own race? Uh, yeah. Because again, everybody has a different strategy. And do you have to adjust your strategy in within the race? Absolutely, um, because you're not in a vacuum. But for the most part, you have to focus and execute on the things that you have practiced and trained for, um, and then make allowance for whatever else is happening. But if you flip the, the script and be focus more about what everybody else is doing, then you're sure as hell going to lose. And I think we have to... Um, Adopt that kind of philosophy in our lives as well. Um, you, you know, you in in the long run in the marketplace, you are in fact competing against uh, the other salesperson or the other company and so on and so forth. In my sport of bobsledding, it's the same thing. It's one of us on the track, but I can't be thinking about the fact that the Irish team just put down this time and I'm trying to beat it. Right? No, I have to drive the track to the best of my ability. And then at the end of it, we measure to see how it went, right? We need to do that in our lives as well. Yeah, that's really good. And that's uh, quite inspiring how you've actually framed that in, in, in a way, because that's for everyone, really, uh, to look inside. And I always like uh, a guy uh, I know quite well, and you probably know, it's Tom Ziegler, son of Zig Ziegler. Right. You connect your passion with your purpose to your dream. And you've obviously done that in, in, in a really good, interesting way. And you've uh, gone at it in, in a nice way. And uh, I take my hat, if I had a hat, I'll take it off. 
Uh, a little bit for that. So, what other questions would you ask yourself? Because I'm always interested in uh, you interviewing yourself from a uh, holistic point of view. What other question would you would you say to yourself that no one said to you? Um. What well, you know? I think we all get to that point where you know we started with a dream and we start working towards a dream and we start making. Um, some progress um and then what do you do with that is it is it all about you or how do you go about becoming the best you can be while at the same time making an impact in the world how you know so it speaks to the business of purpose um um and, and the way i look at it is all of us have a responsibility and i know that's a that could come across as a heavy word, but I, that's that's how I view it, because I think all of us have benefited from someone who went ahead of us, someone who will never know two or three generations, not, not necessarily in the literal uh, sense, um, who helped someone who have come to help us. That one kind word, right? It's, it's because somebody two or three generations did something for somebody, et cetera, et cetera. So we have to, yes, pay it forward. And, and so I so believe in that. I so believe that as you go about, as we all go about the, the mundane things that we do every single day, making those sales calls or whatever it is, right? Yeah, yeah. The books are straight. Um, and, and, and no matter what it is we do and how much we love it, there are going to be those tough days, right? Um, I think when you're thinking beyond yourself and how you how what you do fit in the world and plays a part in the world that's outside of yourself, it gives you that added energy, that that added impetus to keep on pushing. Um, so yeah, I would ask myself about purpose, um, you know. And so my goal is to uh, continue. I, I so I claim. Don't tell my wife this, but I claim I don't work. Right. Oh, I tell her. No, no. Do I make effort? Absolutely, I make tons of effort every single day. But it doesn't feel like work um, because you, you know when I'm on stage, I feel like I'm on purpose, man. Like this is what I was meant to do, um, and I don't just I don't take it for granted. I don't have a speaking engagement. I go, okay, what time? All right, cool. I'll be there, and I get up and I start making stuff up. I prepare. Yeah, right. That's where the effort comes in. And there's a lot of effort, but it doesn't feel burdensome. Yeah. I'm driving. Yeah. I'm driven to do it. I like that because that's the, uh, as they say, it's the iceberg effect. It's the, all the work and preparation that you do underneath that no one else mm -hmm. sees. And mm -hmm. a little bit above when you go, God, he's easy. That's easy. He's done. Oh, that's, yeah. That's natural yeah. to him. Uh, he's the only person that can do it. I can do that. But we can all do this. When we set our minds and our focus on our integrity to do this, because this is what we love to do. And mm -hmm. I can see that within yourself. This is what you're born to do. And this is what you love to do. So when you give something back, and we always want to be remembered in the world, what's the one or two things that you can give forward to the world and be remembered for outside of all your accolades? But what are some things that you'd love to give to the world back? I think the biggest thing we can give to the world is the power of ex our example. I mean, uh, you know, when uh, people are looking at you and go, wow, you know, he did that. Um, and they can, 
probably see themselves in you in whichever way it fits for them, right? However, that mirror reflects on them um, or reflects back to them. They're like, wow, um, again, if he did it, I can do it. Um, not the same thing that I did, but it's a way to inspire them to go pursue their own dreams, right? That's that's what, what it really comes down to. So yeah, I think it's a it's a powerful example, man. Um, and the the bonus the bonus is to meet someone who go, wow, you know, you inspired me, you know. Yeah. And if you did, didn't, that's fine too. If you never met someone, but that that sure feels good when. Um, you know, someone will say, you know what, I, I saw you, I, I know your story, and you inspire me, and I went off and I did this, or I did that, right? And I remember years ago, a little girl in Wyoming wrote me, and she goes, whenever I have a problem, I go, what would Devon Harris do? Right? <laughs> you know, that's, that's when you put the cape on and you fly around the room, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So that would be your legacy to the world. Pardon me? That'll be your legacy. Yes, so, indeed, absolutely. Yeah, mm -hmm. love that. Uh, that's absolutely uh, all inspiring, Devin. You've been absolutely incredible today, and I really thoroughly enjoyed. I have a whole load of other questions, and I haven't even got anywhere near them because I'm really fascinated by what you do and your processes and how you pivoted against adversity and made a difference, and you're still making a difference today, which is phenomenal. So well, how you know, I, I talk to people about keep on pushing, and I believe in being authentic and um, uh, and being congruent. So uh, the goal is to to keep on growing, man, keep on expanding. I think being congruent, and uh, I think it's being true to yourself, which is being authentic and mm -hmm. your to you, and uh, no one else can ever take that away from what you do because you're you, and I'm me, and whoever else. But I think it's. As time goes on, you start to realize you don't want to be like anyone else. You just want to be yourself and how you portray and how you show up to the world. Yeah. Like, that's something that I've learned to do and just to be normal, just be yourself, not to be whoever else. It's good to have inspiration, but take that inspiration and bring it back into yourself. That's the way I look at the world. No, I agree with you. Um, I just did a... Uh, a short video of Factor of Fiction, Cool Runnings. Or th that was a life lesson from Cool Runnings. And there's a scene where um, Darius Bonnet, the driver, is trying to be like the Swiss and do everything. And, the, and, the, and the, the thing is that all of us, as you just so rightly said, uh, we can go look at others and draw inspiration and even you know, get mentorship from them. But in the end, you have to see how it fits you. And um, and so you learn from them, but then you have to take the pieces from all of these different places um, that work for you and who you are, as opposed to trying to become as you know the Swiss as Derrick did. But to that, Sanka says, if we're going to be Jamaican bobsledders, we better as hell act Jamaican and be Jamaican. Absolutely, you've got to be proud of who you are, where you are regardless uh, against anything else. Uh, and I think you've done an incredible job there because uh, even back then, I remember all of that uh, from uh, the movie and everything else. I know it's a little bit more uh, comedic. But, creative licensing, yeah. Yeah, creative license there. And like, we all have elements of creative licensing there, but uh, it was the impact more so than anything else and the the how people remember you 
by the stories that you've told and i think that's your gift forward to the world of the stories that you can inspire and motivate people in the right direction take people out of where they actually are in the situation because there's changing places all over the world and just take them out of where they are and go well anything and everything is possible but once you mm -hmm. set your desire and your motivations to actually want to do it and need to do it and it's in in your frontal head it's in your head going i have to do it this is what i made this one designed to do yeah um i mean it's it is it is a process right uh, as i said earlier you know being patiently impatient so it does start as you said with that uh, image in your head um nothing nothing in the world starts without that image in your head and that then if i would dare say it connects to your heart right yeah. this is like oh that, that you have the image and you have the it sounds like i'm crossing myself and i'm not even catholic but uh, <laughs> but it connects to your heart man and and then uh, you know that's the, the heart is where you you start to overcome the, the the challenges and start to make the effort to learn and to uh you know acquire knowledge and upgrade your skill like right? it's all happens here i would say um uh, and uh, you, you know it gives you that grit and that resilience and ability to, to stay in there to keep on pushing until you get there and there's that heart i think also that says wow you know what i'm doing and the things that i'm doing could could actually make a difference in the world at least for one person and yeah. you keep doing that and then the heart enjoys uh, the fruits of that labor as well yeah, I absolutely concur with that. That's uh, uh, one of the things that I love, and we all get that every now and again. It's, But I, th I think it comes from a little bit of visualization on how we visualize the world and how we visualize where we want to go. Um, once you visualize it, you can see it, feel it, do it, but then you have to mm -hmm. act on it. Yeah. Um, the images, the, the first of all, having that vision that, you know, creating that compelling vision of where you want to go um, is a thing that drives our behaviors, drives our commitment and our desire. Um, and, you know, spending time creating that image in your mind um, creates a certain level of certainty yeah. uh, in you, right? So although you've never done this thing before, like I didn't know how I was going to get into the army, officer core i didn't know how i was going to make this bobsled team i was going to even get to the olympics but i kept imagining that this was going to happen right and it, so you have the vision and then your your vision which is giving you some direction as to where you want to go and then you're actually visualizing that outcome that creates a certain sense of familiarity with the end result and yeah. the process and and a certain amount of certainty that you know you can actually get there and it it, it all just kind of come together in uh I, I don't necessarily want to use the word magical but it's almost a magical kind of way right yeah no i absolutely love that look Devin, you've been absolutely phenomenal and i really appreciate all of your time how can people find out more about you there uh outside of my wikipedia uh, <laughs> my amazon stuff that i found but how can people find out more about yeah man I'm, i i say i'm the easiest guy to find devonharris.com devonharris.com is my website on twitter and instagram keep on pushing 88 see how creative that is keep on pushing 
88. Awesome. Me. Uh, I'm going to actually connect with you on all the all the levels, and I thank you so much from the bottom of my heart, and I, I wish you every success going forward, even more success than uh, you've actually done right now. And uh, thank you very much. You've been listening to the Global Sales Leader podcast. Every week I speak to inspiring, motivational people that have broken the boundaries and made a difference. The process is wonderful, but listen to everything that Devin has said today to get and make your difference and make it yourself and be yourself and uh, be inspired. So thank you once again. Indeed. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me. Welcome to this episode of the Global Sales Podcast. This episode is all about determination and grit and what it takes to succeed and to succeed in the elite of the elite. Today I've talked with Devin Harris, who was one of the innovators of the Jamaican bobsleighing team. And the reason why it intrigued me to speak with him because it's really under good to understand how success works. This goes through every single area of people's lives and in business, and especially in sales. So if you can get the key and core ingredients of what makes the top of the top, then you have the right attitude to succeed in sales. So I'm really delighted with this, and I think you're going to enjoy it just take the main ingredients out of it but this is a phenomenal broadcast